We made this. It was pointed out in the last episode what, that you weren't present for. Sorry. That uh, we've been asking everyone what their Mount Rushmore of uh, Disney characters would be. And uh, we haven't picked our own. So I wanted to know what yours was. Oh, God. Put me on the spot. Can this yep. be animated yeah, live as long action? As, as long as it's a Disney property, it can be a character. It can go. Okay, then. Uh, my Mount Rushmore of Disney characters. Um, Donald Duck, obviously. Because you're going to admire a man in the buff. <laughs> With his knob out, but a nice tux at the same time. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Um... God, who else? George Clooney from Tomorrowland, obviously. <laughs> All right. Of course. Yeah, sure. No explanation needed. Um, who else? Mikey from Recess. Yeah, very good. Good. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Thank you. I'm just like pointing things out the air here. And uh, I, should, I can't remember his first name now. Uh, I think it's Phileas uh, Fillmore from the show Fillmore, which in okay. my opinion yeah. is one of the best written animated series ever. Has received no love ever since. I think because it's like half an ABC property, so it's not yeah. appearing on Disney Plus anytime soon or anything like that. Is that the little bald kid? Yes. Yeah. 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 But, but it's like full blown, you know, like seventies gritty cop action film, but it's set in a high school. It's uh, really good fun. You've you've. Surprisingly, miss one that I thought we would definitely pick. Nicholas Cage from uh, <laughs> 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 Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. Nicholas Cage doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to share a platform with anyone. He is his own man, Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, you it, would have four different it, expressions. It, but... Yes, he is my Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> And welcome to Without a Mouse, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm your host, Tim. Hello. And sitting next to me, I've got Christopher Wilson, who has joined us again. Hello there. Nice to see you. Nice to be back. Yeah. We keep missing you, don't we? Yeah. Well, I've already broken my New Year's resolution. Which was? To appear on every episode of Without a Mouse this year. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know... Only two missing out of however many. It's not too bad. Well, I suppose, does a decom count if we had to do an emergency decom in your absence? Um, I suppose that would... Probably, because I'm absent and you've gone, shit, better record something quick. <laughs> how, how are you feeling this week, anyway? Better um, than last week? A lot better, yes, thank you. God, thank God. Much. Been up to anything exciting? Just work? Yeah, lots of work, Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Tim? I'm I'm very well, thank you. I've uh, I've just come back from a couple of days in York. Oh, fancy! Yeah. I like York. I went for a comedy gig with friends. Went to see Angelos Epithemu from Reeves and Mortimer. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise he was still doing that act. To be fair, I didn't either. But it was it was a good night. The only thing being that my two mates that I went to see it with, Sophie and Ian, um, Sophie rang me on the day, and was like, by the way, I've just checked my emails to find our ticket, and I don't think we bought them. So, oh, yeah, okay. So I ended up going on my own, which was great. 
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but they were very apologetic. They took me out for lunch before uh, for tea beforehand. Oh, so we still went up anyway. Or yeah, we still saw each other, so that was all right. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, bit <laughs> bit of a weird uh, weird trip. Um, yeah, I can't imagine going to a comedy gig on on your own. I I think I've done everything else on my own at some point, but not comedy. It's very awkward during the interval when you just sat there on your phone and stuff on your own. It's uh, it was it, it was good. I still enjoyed it. Like you know, once they're actually performing, you don't really need to be. Not really, no. But it it, it, it was fine. It was adequate. Very, it, yeah, Angelos Epithemu, if you get a chance to see him, I would recommend. Okay, that's how I'm surprised he's still around. He was, when did Shooting Stars come back? Like 2010 times, so it's been about 10 years since he debuted that one. Yeah, yeah, because I've got it on DVD, yeah, it's 2010 and 2011, I think the DVDs. Yeah. It, half of the act was all about him saying he was trying to, um, like, get his way back onto telly, so. Oh, yeah. I, I think maybe he's had a few years without doing it, and he's just sort of come back. Well, I mean, the Angelo Sepfino himself as a character, I don't think he's been on since Shooting Stars. I know the guy playing him, Kayfabe, is, uh, has been on other <laughs> stuff since then. But Yeah. Anyway, so before we start on tonight's film, the 1999 remake of Annie, we've got this elephant in the room to sort out, haven't we? Which... Well, it's more of a pig. <laughs> Karate chopping pig in the corner of the room. Yes. Which is, uh, you weren't here to give your opinions on Muppet Treasure Island last week. Yep. And uh, and I hear it's going to be a bit controversial, considering mine and Matt's opinion. Yep. Um, and if you disagree with my view, uh, debate me on Twitter, at DancingHenry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Muppet Treasure Island, if you want the gems from the bat, it's going to be a six. Mate. I know, I know. I picked this. <laughs> It's a weird one. I've seen it before. Wasn't that fantastically enamored with it anyway. To um, but I thought, okay, a few years have lapsed. I'll watch it again. Maybe I was just distracted. And I don't find any of the songs memorable. Um, the gags were decent. I, I quite liked a few of the meta gags, but. It's just an adaptation of Treasure Island at the end of the day. And I'm sort of glad that this one bombed at the box office because obviously they did this on the back of Muppets Christmas Carol, which I do love, by the way. Don't, right, worry, okay. don't worry about that one. That one's definitely Ooh, at least okay. an eight. I was going to say, like, I needed to know what your relationship with the Muppets in general was like. I mean, I uh, after I watched the film, I read the review, obviously an old review, by uh, Roger Ebert. And he says, you either love the Muppets or you don't. But I'm very much in the middle in that I like the Muppets as a concept and as a theory, but most of their stuff in practice doesn't do it for me. So so I did like the 2011 Muppets, for example. Yes, me too. That was one of my, that's probably my favourite of all the Muppet yeah. films, to be honest. But then 2014, the most wanted is Toilet. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they are very hit and miss, to be fair. Yes, and uh, in this instance, I'm glad Treasure Island didn't do that well because this is already two films into oh, let's just adapt old texts but with the Muppets in, and I fear that we would have had about six or seven of these if it kept being successful. Like oh, here's the Muppets does Frankenstein and. Here's for Muppets Great Expectations and all that lot. It would have <laughs> The Muppets War and Peace. Yeah, it would have been 
become quite unbearable, I think. So, okay. yeah, sorry. Um, I watched it. I made notes. I really struggled to remember it afterwards. It was probably a good thing I couldn't make for recording because I would have contributed absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel sorry. if you were in a better mood, you might have had a better opinion of it, maybe. You've done a very good job of arguing your case, I yeah. would say, just there. Um, I, I did watch it in a relatively good mood, to be fair. So, so. obviously, me and um, Matt, we gave it a 10 out of 10 each, which means, it's... average between the three, it got 17.3 out of 20. Yeah, I James. really pissed them up, Bonfire, didn't I? Yeah, so uh, that means it is not as good as the island on the top of the world, mm. uh, but it is better than the love bug. Yes. Which again, I think is a pretty, pretty fair place to put it. It is, yeah. And as you've just pointed out, the top three films so far on our list are all your picks. Yes, so far. you're welcome. I I'm ha- very good at picking films. I have been a bit edge lord with my picks, though. To be fair, I have been purposely trying to find some Fucking weird films. Full on trolling. <laughs> Although, say that Renomobile was one of mine, wasn't it? Yeah. So you've. Uh, You've just about redeemed yourself from that. And uh, debacle. was Gus mine? No, I think Gus Gus was the Publix. We put it up to a Twitter oh, vote. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, so that's Publix's vote. Maybe we should do that again sometime soon, coming up. Yeah, yeah, why not? And Just so we're not to blame. Sure. <laughs> and also, to point out, Million Dollar Duck was mine as well. Best film of the series so oh, far. Oh, fuck off, mate. <laughs> Ding. It's about the music audiences around the world have cherished for a generation. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. It's about the characters who make you believe anything is possible. (laughs) It's about a little girl with hope in her smile and the uncanny ability to melt the heart of even the most scrupulous billionaire. Who are you? I'm This holiday season, Walt Disney Television presents the first original TV production of the acclaimed Broadway musical, Annie. Life at Miss Hannigan's Home for Girls is one hard knock after another. It's a hard knock life for us. It's a hard knock life for us. Steady treated. We get tricks. Steady kisses. We get kissed. It's a hard knock life. Until the richest man in the world, Oliver Warbucks, decides to adopt her. We're two of a kind. The happiest pair now. Academy Award winner Kathy Bates stars as the conniving Miss Hannigan, with Tony Award winner Alan Cumming as her equally deceptive brother, Rooster. Acclaimed actor Victor Garber is Daddy Warbucks. Three-time Tony Award-winning actress Audra McDonald is Grace Farrell. 
Tony winner Kristen Chenoweth is Lily St. Regis. And newcomer Alicia Morton stars as the unforgettable Annie. I love you very much, Annie. And I love you, Daddy Warbucks. This holiday, Walt Disney Television invites you to believe in the power of love, in the magic of the music, and in the dream that lies in the spirit of a little girl named Annie. So, I picked this film specifically because I was annoyed at you for not coming to the recording. Yeah, thanks. Because uh, you've always said that you're not a big fan of uh, your musicals. Nope. But I just want to take this point to mention that technically you picked the first musical because Muppet Treasure Island. I did, yes. Yeah, so... But I also forgot it was a musical. <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough. Which uh, I should have remembered because I'm still haunted by Kevin Bishop trying to sing to this day. I don't care about his balls then dropped at the time. Bloody hell, he's awful. Yeah, that's one thing we both said, me and Matt. He ain't good. <laughs> no. Did you see his sketch show from about 10 years ago? I actually brought it up, yeah. Cause he's it's fucking terrible. I said, like, it was so surreal to, like, him go from Muppet Treasure Island to trying to be a comedian. Yeah. It was a very strange uh, point in time. Yeah, so. Musicals. So, quick question for you. Okay. So, do you like musicals? Yes. I mean, oh yeah, you drama graduate, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's a I'm stupid a, question. I always think of myself like I don't. I'm not a musical obsessive. Like I don't go out of my way to watch the newest and the the biggest and this, that, and the other. I'm not a particularly big fan of Hamilton, but I do tend to have quite a lot of musicals that I do like. Okay. So, like, if it was a scale of Chris to Tim, Disney levels obviously i would put myself somewhere in the middle when it comes to musicals okay like a lot but hate a lot at the same time yeah fair enough why now i was just gonna list other acceptable musicals in my opinion okay yeah i'm happy to hear it yeah which south park film obviously did you know what? i've never watched the south park film because i was never into south park it, it is brilliant yeah, the, the songs are really good at it. It's really catchy. I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I do recommend it. It does come up on quite a lot of best musicals lists, yes. so I will have to check it out at some point. Yeah, so there's that one. Um, Singing in the Rain, just because the plot around it is very good. I love Singing in the Rain. I Kirst, It's one of Kirsty's favourite films, that one. Yeah. Um, saw it for the first time at a music festival a few years ago, and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and one of the stages, they just had a big screen show in it. Yeah. And we were all just sat on hay bales, hung over watching it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Then you've got films where you've got bands that perform in it. So Beatles, Hard Day's Night. Very good film. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to throw this out there. Spice World. Fuck <laughs> you, don't care. That is definitely one I need to revisit. Yeah. The only thing I can remember is the weird sort of like um, military boot camp bit. Oh, with Michael Barrymore in it. Is Michael Barrymore in it? Michael Barrymore is the drill instructor in that scene. Of course he is. Yeah. Oh, there's all sorts of weird cameos in there that you won't remember because if you've not seen it for years... Yeah, I wouldn't he, have known who they were you, as a kid. you won't remember and watch it now. Your man be blown by how many people show up randomly. I'm definitely going to have to give that a yeah. go. And I'm it, sure Kirsty will be up for that as well. And, uh, and the ending still makes no sense after all these years. 
Right, okay. Yeah, where they try and like, because there's like this subplot where they're trying to tell, whether it's like a picture for a film about the Spire Skulls, but then they're actually part in that film itself, but then they're not, they're just the band, and it's just, don't make any sense, but you know, I still enjoy it. Fair enough. And Muppets Christmas Carol, you said you like that one. Is that a musical? <laughs> yes, Chris, Jesus Christ. For God's sake, I, I completely forgot again. Do you remember anything about the Muppets? <laughs> um, but, but, but. What? Swedish Chef. That was supposed to be Swedish Chef. <laughs> I don't do accents. So... There we go, there we go. <laughs> I'm monotonous as it is, I can't do accents, for fuck's sake. <laughs> right, where were we? So yeah, um, Annie, this is the least amount of notes I've made on a film for a very long time. Yep. Uh, but I, this is the film of all the things that we've watched that I have seen the most amount of times. Had it taped off the telly as a kid mm. and used to watch it quite religiously. So Yeah, technically speaking, probably the same. Because it got a lot of airtime on the Disney Channel over like the turn of the millennium. Yeah. And it, at the time, I'm not sure if I said before, but... I used to watch the Disney Channel quite a lot when I was younger. It was like I was rotating between that kind of network and Nickelodeon. And I think my sister really loved this version, therefore, whenever it was on. And back then, we just like all just hung out of the living room. We didn't like go up in our own separate bedrooms or anything like that. Yeah. So, by proxy, at least, I've ended up seeing this quite a few times. Because when we were kids, your bedroom had a bed in it, and that was it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually remember the reason I wanted to watch this film was because it got promoted on Blue Peter one time. They got the lead girl playing Annie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to come on and do a song, I think. I'd stop watching Blue Peter by that point. As soon as I got Diamond Cable, I thought I'd see BBC. Well, I don't. The thing is, I remember that, but I don't ever remember really liking Blue Peter much otherwise. I don't know why I was watching it. Does anyone actually like Blue Peter? Did anyone ever like Blue Peter? No, I mean, the only people who liked it were the ones that got the badges and like sort of like went, oh, look at me, I got a Blue Peter badge. Like, yeah, I so mean, what? You might as well be in the Scouts. I was one of the fortunate kids that had a real Tracy Island. I didn't need my mum to build it for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sticky back plastic and PVA glue. Yeah. Just call it sour for fuck's sake. <laughs> right, okay. The film. Yes. <laughs> so... Pretty standard credits opening bit. We've got the overture mm. of the film, the music, uh, very obviously set in New York whilst it's snowing. Yeah, well, no indication it's set in New York. I know if only there was some sort of musical number later on that would indicate that we're in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then from there, we go straight to Annie wistfully staring out of a window and she is... There's a big orphan fight. <laughs> yeah, so the youngest orphan, Molly, is really sad. So Annie, um, he, she reads her a note from Annie's parents about how they're coming back for Annie, as if that's going to cheer up this yes. kid that is an orphan and will never be picked up. So this is really weird behaviour from the get-go, because what you've got here is a cast of other orphans, and they all seem to be cheering Annie on without thinking, hang on a minute. I want parents as well. It's, Fuck you, Annie. It's an absent parent fiesta, this film. It is, yes. Perfect for our uh, tropes. Yeah, and the, the overemphasis here with someone saying, we ain't got mummies and daddies. <laughs> yeah. But Annie's like, I have. Well, you haven't, you're in an orphanage. Did you recognise Molly at all, the, the youngest? She was in Lizzie McGuire, was it? No, that's there is another one. Kate is, yeah, she played Miranda in Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Uh, the actress Lalane. 
Um, but Molly, the youngest, is Haley in Modern Family. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. If you go back and just watch that scene, you'll be like, oh my God. I will do, I yeah. Know? I wasn't really looking for that, to be fair. Because she's very young at that point. She's like, Yeah, she must have been. Yeah. And uh, we get our first musical number, um, where, which is called Maybe. And Annie is basically singing about how her parents are going to one day come back and, and rescue her from the yeah. orphanage. Well, talking everyone else to bed. Yeah. And there's the only thing I really made a note on for this scene was um, she kept opening and closing the letter from her parents <laughs> just over and over again without reading it, which was getting a, re- a bit annoying. Well, in 1990, well, sorry, kayfabe again, in 1933, whatever year this is set in, yep. that's the version of just like picking up mobile phone. And not doing anything with it. Just it's just a nervous twitch. Just, an, just an obsessive compulsive. Just going to open this letter. Uh, I've, I've got two seconds spare. Here. Open yeah. it. Close it. And um, from the very first song, we establish that this uh, this whole musical is going to be auto tuned to fuck. I noticed that. So I've only well, I say I've seen the Annie nineteen eighty two version. Yeah. A few times when I was younger, apparently, uh, my mum was just telling me tonight, apparently my granddad used to play it over and over again, and I can't remember much from it. Right. Except I think, I'm right in thinking the singing in that is a lot rawer. I think so, yeah. And just a lot more. It doesn't matter if they're not holding all the notes. The point is that they're all kids, therefore yeah. we're going to sing like kids. Well, if you think like all of the older Disney stuff that we've been watching, and your Mary Poppins and stuff, the, the kids... Are never particularly good singers. No, no mobile. <laughs> so, in a way, I kind of hold this kind of genre as, um, as a acceptable use of auto tune. In a way, like it kind of makes it. Diff- I I didn't I mind it. I think at that age, if you're helping kids sing, you know, regardless if they're actors or what, yeah, a, a bit of help. For someone that such a young age doesn't have, and you know the songs in this are cheesy as fuck anyway. So yeah, have, yeah. having a bit of it just makes it a bit more bubblegum and it, kind it, of poppy. It and... does, yeah, yeah. But I, I can't say I minded that. In all fairness, it's very decom in that sense because a lot of them are very auto tune and. Yeah, but in the decom things, they're all like already fifteen, twenty years old, and we should know how to sing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've yeah. got no excuse. Yeah, they? yeah. But I'll say we're literally talking about. Seven or eight year olds here, aren't we? Yeah. Talking about um the older the eighties Annie film, me and Kirsty argue all the time because I never I never saw the eighties one as a kid. This this film that we watched was is what I consider my Annie. And mm. then Kirsty considers the eighties one her Annie and we argue over which one's better all the time. So it was really interesting for me to go back and actually watch this for the first time in ages, um, to get a decent opinion of it. I, w- I remembered it quite a bit better than this, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll talk more about that as we go. Sure. So, and then after the song, Annie packs her shit up and, well, I say packs her shit up, grabs a torch, that's all she's got. <laughs> yeah. Good planning. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, tries to escape the orphanage, but is caught by Miss Hannigan, played by Kathy Bates. Yes. What What's your opinions of Kathy Bates as uh, Miss Hannigan? I thought she was decent. Yeah. I, I thought she fit the role very well. As I'll get into in a couple of minutes, actually quite sympathetic in places. Yeah. I think from my memory of the 80s one, I feel like they really do Disneyfy Annie quite a bit 
You know, they sand down all the hard edges. Yeah, I'm about to say. Uh, so, Cuffy Bates is for Disney version of ugly and haggard. Yeah. And she's not really. No. And and as you say, she's she's very sympathetic, quite likable half the time as well. Yes. She's a villain that you like to you like to hate. I was on her side for most of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because when you think about it, like, yeah, she's just as hard up as all the orphans are. Yeah. Like... And we'll get into it now. The rest of the orphans treat her like shit. Well, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's in an orphanage on apparently very little money. I take it she's under no obligation to do it. You know, this is her job. And who the hell likes their job anyway? Yeah. And yeah, she just gets loads of grief from these kids. They keep running away, which if one of them does come into serious harm, she could be bloody jailed for negligence. Yeah. So, you know. But then at the same time, she does make them clean everything with like toothbrushes and stuff. So it's kind of vice versa, yin-yang. They should be little shits then, should they? (laughs) One thing I thought at this point was um, they live in a fucking huge building considering there's only like eight orphans. (laughs) Like it looks like about a four-story building. Uh, I've had this discussion, I think I've seen in Watchmen before, American buildings are huge. Yeah, it's the they're living in the lap of luxury, this lot. Yeah. (laughs) They... um... I can't remember what film it was I watched recently for Cinemotry, but... Oh, no, sorry. No, it was that Christmas shit we watched. No, I'm thinking of um, Princess Diaries. Oh, when so, she lived in a fucking fire Yeah, she, she she lived in a firehouse, but it's massive. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to make out like she's a bit hard up and, oh, you know, she's a bit of a... Her mum's a bit of a starving artist, and I don't mind living in a house like that. I'd be made if I did, you know. Yeah. For the Americans with a generous size houses. I don't know what they're missing. Healthcare. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, not for long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get our next song, which is one of the ones that this film is, uh, this musical is most known for, Hard Knock Life. Yep. So basically, Miss Hannigan punishes all the kids because Annie has tried to escape. Um, and I don't know about you, Chris, but I thought this song was about Britain in 2019. Mm. It's the hard knock life for us. It's the hard knock life for us. Instead of treated, we get tricked. There was an interesting line in this song which I'd never thought about before. Where, um, because at at one point near the end, they're listing all the horrible things they want to do to Miss Hannigan. Uh, One of them is make her drink a Mickey Finn. So I had to look up what a Mickey Finn was, and it's basically um, a slang term for when someone spikes your drink. Okay, but what? So wants to date rape her. Basically, like they want to like drug her and kill her or kidnap her or whatever. But what made me feel I had to check this out when I was at uni, there were shots that you could buy. There was a brand of shots called Mickey Finn. Okay. So there was a brand of British alcohol you could buy off the shelf that was named after being rehypnolled. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> So yeah, I was not expecting that from my uh, most recent viewing of this Disney film. Of Annie. Of Annie, yeah. About an orphaned girl. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, Hard Knocks Life. So with Annie, I'm a lot more familiar with the songs than what I should be. Right. Because at work, uh, we have a dance class in there. Oh right. Who do a, <laughs> who then do a pantomime in our building every single year. And three years ago now, they did Annie. Right. Therefore, I'm having really bad flashbacks from having to listen to them sing it over and over and over again for about three months straight before Christmas. Nice. Then having to listen to the actual pantomime take place with like all little uh, different bits from the script. So I, I even recognise all these stuff that happens here. You know, a dialogue. Right, but, but from to, hearing uh, it through but, the wall. to overhear them act. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, about to fucking have a pantomime starts on Saturday for five weeks. Oh. Lovely. Fuck. Just what you need. Yeah. So then after the song finishes, Mr. Bundles turns up, who is the uh, lawn, launderer? What would you call <laughs> the guy that picks up <laughs> your pants, your well, dirty pants? Well, you have money laundering, so this is... Um, Bedsheet laundering. Yeah, actual laundering. Yeah, actual legal laundering, yes. And he comes... Uh, we get a lot of um, very sort of 1930s uh, New York speak in this bit. Yeah, we do, yeah. Because uh, he's he's trying it on with Miss Hannigan and she says he's full of applesauce. And he's trying to take her for an ice cream sody. Is that the 1930s time for date rape? Uh, yeah, I think that yeah, it's just another term for a Mickey Thin, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but foreshadowing, Miss Hannigan says that um, she's not after Mister Bundles; she's saving herself for Oliver Warbucks, which is a character we'll meet later. Yeah, and then she does a roll call once he's left to find that Annie has left again, um, and the kids instantly dob her in, which mm. is really annoying because basically she's hidden in Bundles' bundle of. Uh, of uh, washing, so it's yeah. a double bluff, isn't it? Because there's another girl up the top, and ha ha ha, she's hiding in there. But no, Anne is underneath the girl, so yeah. you pick the girl up. But yeah, so they keep enabling Annie to escape. Yeah, does this mean the other kids absolutely hate Annie? They want her gone, probably. But then at the same time, as I say, they wait literally thirty seconds after she's left the building to then dob her in. Yeah, little snitches. Yeah, I know. And then we end the scene with a pillow fight, which then, uh, probably the most artistic little thing in the film, we then fade to outside where it's snowing. And it's yep. almost like the, the feathers are snow and you're not going to get any arty shots anymore. It's very nice. So this is the bit I've got in my notes. So there's a whole story about me trying to watch this film. Yeah, because you were struggling again, weren't you? Yes, because I was uh, messaging you last night into this morning saying, I can't actually find a way to watch this. So I thought I got away with it because parts one and two, and as it transpires, eight and nine out of ten are on YouTube. Yeah. Parts three to seven and part ten are blocked in this country. And I tried using my VPN and it turns yeah. out it's even blocked in Panama. So you've gone everywhere and couldn't find it. Yes. Wow. And bear in mind I had to go in there because there was no torrents for it. Yeah. I couldn't get it on Amazon Prime. I couldn't rent it like I normally do with these films. Yeah, uh, weird. The YouTube link had completely gone. So do you know how I've ended up watching it? No. So I've now got Disney uh, Life for a while. Well, Matt um, had to get it to do the same for Muppet Treasure Island. He couldn't find that anywhere either. 
Weird. That's really weird. So he's been funny to watch on Twitter the last week or so because he's been using his week's free trial. Yeah, and he's been trying uh, watching all sorts of things and commenting on Twitter. Yeah. So for the next week, I think I'll have a look at what's on there. Recess is on there. Oh, fantastic. That's my week sorted out. I'm happy watching all of Recess. And as I say, like, um, there's only 20 episodes of Boy Meets World that are on there because it's like a best of, so you can crack that out in a week. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. I would recommend it as well. It's still good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and you can watch, um, you know, oh, shit, what was it called? That fucking Christmas film. Oh, One, One Magic Ma- Christmas. You can watch Mag- One Magic Christmas daily until it's Christmas Day, if you wanted, because now you can. I'd rather eat sandpaper. <laughs> Yeah, me too, to be fair. So yeah, we go out onto the tough streets of New York City. Yep. um, Where we we see that Annie has literally no idea what the outside world's like because she's just going up to the random people on the street and asking if they know where her parents are, which is quite cute. And then she nicks some uh, corn off a vendor. And then uh, we're introduced to the dog as she uh, tries to eat it in an alleyway somewhere. somewhere, The corn, not the dog. Yeah, <laughs> desperate times. Yeah, um, and we get our third song, which again is the another one that's b- the biggest, and it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm not going to sing it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. There's a very funny <laughs> shot where um, she runs her hand along a railing, which is covered in snow, and then straight afterwards, she realises she's got loads of snow on her hand, so she just wipes it on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that. Good boy. <laughs> Doing a good job. Um, and there's uh, a... I noticed about this film that the uh, signature songs are very front-loaded. Yes. <laughs> In fact, most of the songs are quite front-loaded as well. It does get... There's some big, long chunks without any Yeah, Pete, Pete's out. But this is like uh, a band who like play the like, two most famous songs at the beginning of a gig. And we just wonder why you know no one's paying attention. We just go through the rest of their album for the remainder of the gig. Yeah. Um, something that I forgot to mention earlier, actually, when we were talking about Hard Not Life. Um, yesterday, I was around, uh, as I said, my mate Sophie Nian's house. And we were watching a few clips on YouTube. And Sophie was a massive fan of the the 80s version. So she was very surprised at how terrible the choreography was in this film. Is it terrible or is it more naturalistic? Well, more naturalistic. It's just like kids having a laugh. But the, yeah. apparently the, the, the choreography is a lot more regimented and quite good in the 80s. But as I say, I can't remember it that well. I, um, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, because in this film, which we'll get into, there's... Maybe three bits, three songs that seem overly choreographed in terms, of, you know, dancing and all that lot. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, we'll get to, and everything else just seems to be slapped together a bit more. Yeah. I, I sort of like it. I did in a way. notice that the director of the film was also the choreographer in this, so I wonder if, like, maybe choreography was not his strong point. Or maybe he's thinking, shit, we're three weeks behind here. <laughs> yeah, just do what comes naturally. Just flap your arms about. Just wing it, yeah. So yeah, there's a cop that wants to um, take Sandy to the pound. Mm. Um, Annie pretends that Sandy is her dog, which is where she comes up with the name Sandy because he's a very sandy colour. Very good, well done. Yeah, brilliant, A-star. <laughs> then later that night... Um, she comes across a gang of vagrants just as the cops are coming by again. So she hides so that the cops can't catch her, but they do. Yes, basically. There's a big chase scene, but wouldn't you know it, the cop manages to eventually, takes a while, outsmart her. Yeah. And back to the orphanage she goes. 
chase scene, but no vehicles, no cars in this. No, it's nineteen thirty-three. With far less cars around, but yeah. And then we get um, Miss Hannigan's big number, Little Girls. Yeah. Which is not as creepy a song as it sounds. Little girls, little girls, everywhere I turn, I can see them. Little girls, little girls, night and day, I eat, sleep, and breathe them. I'm an ordinary woman with feelings. I like a man to nibble on my ear. But I'll admit, no man has bit. So how come I'm the mother of the year? No, listen. <laughs> no, no, if it was like an eight-year-old man, you know, with his trousers pulled down, then maybe. But... <laughs> yeah, so basically it's all a song about how much she hates children. And specifically and girls. And her job. Yeah, which you, you think maybe you're in the wrong job. Like... No, I was fully with her, I'm just like, yeah, same here, yeah. Yeah, fairly agree. Um, and uh, one one comment I wanted to make was that she has a whole bit where she talks about how she's had no male attention because of these kids. And I was like, in the very last scene, we saw a man chat you up and you refused it. So you've got no leg to stand on there, love. Yeah, but you know, what kind of money does Mr. Bungles, the actual launderer, have? Yeah. He just messes about with bedsheets all day, you know. He's not exactly Daddy Warbucks, is he? Well, no. There was another bit where she finds a gi- half-eaten giant lollipop in a bed. And I was like, how did any of these children end up with a giant lollipop? <laughs> it's a bit like in Heavyweights, where they have, like, different um, hidden compartments with all sorts of sweets in there. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably Mr. Bungle snuggles them all in for it. Yeah, more like Mr. Bungle. Bungles yeah. it all in there. I'm having rainbow flashbacks now you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because of Annie coming back and being in trouble, um, Miss Hannigan says she's got to scrub the whole place with a toothbrush. And there's a important bit from this dialogue where basically Miss Hannigan gets, tells Annie that she should never tell a lie, hmm. uh, which comes up later it on. It does, yeah. Again, I feel like the punishment is fitting. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. This is why I should never have children, by the way. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably so, best. like I said, she just run away needlessly, recklessly, selfishly, because if Miss Hannigan actually did care about her job, which, you know, she would have been massively concerned, and, you know, she could have shut down the whole orphanage and displaced everyone, all the kids, from their friends to God knows where. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I sound one. like a complete Tory, don't I? A, li- a little bit. Yeah, you're sorry. very much the man in this situation. <laughs> I am. Yes. As they're having this conversation, a new character enters uh, called Grace, mm. who Miss Hannigan assumes is from you know the city. That's going to yeah. tell her off because Annie got away. But it turns out that she's actually the secretary for Mister War- Oliver Warbucks, who we heard mentioned earlier on, the millionaire, the billionaire, sorry. Yes. The Jeff Bezos of 1933. Oh, he's more like a bold Bill Gates, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's a bit more of a sympathetic character again, at least in this. And uh, so here, uh, she wants to take an orphan back to uh, Warbucks' house for the holidays. Yep. Uh, as it'll turn up in a throwaway bit of dialogue later on for good press, basically. Even though that, yeah. even though that never comes up again. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Annie's right there. Yeah. And uh, despite Miss Hannigan 
uh, claiming that A, it's her daughter, and B, she's been very naughty, therefore get fucked. They, uh, Grace turns around and says, you know, because she got told about how Annie run away and are you from the city? Oh shit, don't report us. Yeah. She goes, well, I'll take Annie, otherwise I'll report you. Yeah. Which I don't quite get because Grace has no reason to sort of stick up for Annie at this point. She doesn't know her. I think she realises that Annie doesn't like Mrs. Hannington and there's n- we've, we've, she hasn't seen what we've seen, which is someone who's got a load of pesky little kids to sort out. She's just seen someone who's probably really harsh and Annie. You haven't seen what I've seen, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen some things. In the original, in the 80s film... The whole time that Grace and Miss Hannigan are having the conversation, Annie's trying to like show off and show that she's really cute and endearing, um, which is obviously then why Grace wants Annie. Yeah. But in this one, Annie just stands there the whole time, not doing anything, which is a bit... I can't remember the scene from the 82 version, but I think the 99 version sounds better. Yeah. Because you don't want to show off, do you? Well, the thing that I never liked about the 80s version is just what a precocious little shit Annie is in that Yeah, film. yeah. She's so, like, I don't know. She's too eager. Yeah, I, I feel like um, in this version, at least, Annie's a decent character. We get a lot of films where the kids are absolute, as you say, precocious little shits. Show offs all we're supposed to like them because they're so full of energy and yeah. so I think like show off, but. I think it's a lot better when, like this, Annie, they're a bit more, well, slightly more timid, shall we say. Yeah, and I think, like, the Annie in the 80s version knows at all times that she's in a musical. Like, she's absolutely going 110%. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's very, like, I think it's too much, like, stage acting for being in a film. Like, it, it doesn't... I, I remember the, that version being quite stagey. Yeah. And then, as they're leaving... Um, Annie tells all the kids that she's going to spend the holidays with a billionaire and they all go, yay! And again, it's like, they should be jealous. They shouldn't be. What? Why do they like Annie so much? Why are they so happy for her? Uh, well, I mean, I guess she could save her selfless, but it doesn't really fit with them being precocious little shits to Miss Hannigan, Hanning- so I don't know. The other kids are really inconsistent in this film, I find. Yeah. Well, you keep saying how, you know, Miss Hannigan's only just, you know, trying to do her job right and proper and everything. But um, this lady who she's never met, who has no identification on her, comes in, tells her she works for a billionaire, and within three minutes she's left with a child. It could have been anyone off the street come in. Speedy service. Well, well, (laughs) yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I don't remember seeing any paperwork filled out. (laughs) It's like McDonald's, but with orphans. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. McCorfins. So then we get MTV Cribs Oliver Warbucks edition. <laughs> yes. As we arrive straight in through the front door, and basically we've got this one massive set of the uh, sort of hallway. Yep. And there's like fifty staff members just bustling about everywhere. Mm. This is the the one set that looks like grand and big, and because everything else is quite small in this film. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels very TV movie, which we'll talk about later. I, I can I can see that, yeah. It's certainly... They, they've could have entered this set off the Hallmark TV channel yeah. for, for this one. But then this this one set, which is the Warbucks hallway, is uh, it, it looks like they spent all their budget on it. It does, Well, yeah. this and Kathy Bates. <laughs> yeah. 
we get a little cute bit where when they arrive, um, one of the mas- one of the staff asks to take Annie's coat, and she asks if she'll get it back again. Um, and they also ask what she wants to do, and she assumes they mean in terms of cleaning up. Yeah, so she's like, "Yeah, I'll do the floors, then the windows." And <laughs> it's all very, very twee, very cute. It is, yes. And it, again, it just makes you quite like Annie as a character. I think she's quite. Yeah, I, I will say, yeah. Well, I think I've already basically said it. She's Annie's quite a likable character in this film. Yeah, and considering our opinions on a lot of the child actors we've watched so far, yeah, that's it. That's strong praise. It from says us. a lot. Yes. Yeah. And then we get the musical number. Yeah. That will give any Tory a massive hard on. <laughs> it's their their anthem, isn't it? It basically? is. Yes. I've got my renowned Tory national anthem. <laughs> So it's a big song and dance number about how the low-paid staff will do their every single whim for them. And how much they fucking love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is the most tightly choreographed uh, dance sequence in the whole film it as is, well. yeah. <laughs> like, with the bloody maids with their feather dusters dancing around and all that lot. Yeah. And they all love their jobs. Yeah. Um, which ends with Oliver Warbucks walking in, bumping into Annie. And again, we get a lovely twee little, who are you? And she's just like, I'm Annie. Yep. Bum. <laughs> nice seeing appearance from Jack Briscoe here. Who? A- alias. It's oh, uh, right. Sidney Briscoe's dad. I would pop that in there to see if Tony's <laughs> listening. Hi, Tony. <laughs> Lord of podcasts. Yeah, so Warbucks is moody as hell mm. at this point. Um, All of his factories are shutting down. Yeah, because depression and shit. Yes. And business. He- business not good. Less factories, no. And why, you know, he's like, why the hell have we got this random urchin here and shit? Um, and then he, he says that he wanted a boy, mm. but obviously he never specified that. No. And he shows, you know, naivety with kids because he then says, you know, you'll have to come to my club for brandy and cigars. <laughs> so, and he doesn't know how to be a spoiled brat. He doesn't know what kids are for. <laughs> <laughs> what are you supposed to do with him? Just read the instruction manual, like what? <laughs> so, yeah, he, she sits and watches him work for a little bit because she's never seen work before. Oh, sick, lie. sick burn on uh, uh, Mrs. Hannington. Yeah, Hannigan. Hannigan. <laughs> I started writing Hannington in my notes for a while. I do go back to Hannigan, so yeah. And he's having a call with President Roosevelt, who. Keeps being name dropped throughout this film. Yeah, um, spoiler for a really fucking weird punchline towards the end. Yeah, and uh, we hear that Roosevelt's coming over for Christmas Day mm. for his dinner, um, and then Annie makes a comment about how she's never seen the city, and then suddenly we're off to broad a Broadway show, show of the town. Yeah, because. Mr. Warbucks can't believe that she's never seen the city. Mm. Um, and we get our next song, NYC. NYC Just got here this morning Three bucks Two bags One me NYC I give you fair warning Up there in lights I'll be I absolutely loathe these songs in the musical. This the, is yeah, you go. This is the, the the musical set in New York with a song about New York. 
I loathe, as of all anyway, this whole um, navel-gazing that New York has about its own culture. Fair. I, I absolutely loathe it, and you see it everywhere, you know, you see, you've seen it in musicals, you see it in art, you see the bloody, those awful indie bands that came out in the turn of the 2000s, you know, everything, bloody New York, New York, New York, and I've been, it's okay, it's basically like being at a fun fair for 10 days, but... Yeah. It's a weird one, it's kind of like this musical gets invaded by another musical, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been, very, very, very better. Yeah. I had, I had a laugh dot. No, I say I should, I want to see a musical where you go some, it's an inception of musicals and suddenly we end up about four musicals deep. <laughs> yeah. Then we have to find our way out through all the different musicals. Maybe that could be my next uh, project. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, as they're leaving the musical, they see Sandy the dog, and Annie's just like, let's keep him. And they're all like, fine. Yeah. Which is not how these conversations go in real life at all. But, you know, Oliver Warbucks is uh, smitten with this kid now, so we'll let her get away with murder. Um, the next scene, she kills most of them. <laughs> Final thing to mention of this scene was the very last shot of them leaving. It kind of the camera pans back, and you get quite a detailed city scene. Like we've seen lots of exterior shots already by this point, but mm. when it pulls back, there's a lot of going on in the background, which looks pretty decent. Yeah. Um. Again, for you know, for the scale of the rest of the film, it was quite good. Yeah, it, it was good. Um. Yeah, but I, I say. It's- as I said before, it's quite obvious the budget's been blown elsewhere. Yeah. So then we go back to the orphanage with uh, Grace and Miss Hannigan talking again, and Grace admits to Hannigan that um, after one day, Oliver Warbucks has decided to adopt Annie, um, which obviously Miss Hannigan is not very happy about because she'd quite like to be, you know, taken under the wing of this mil- billionaire. Mm. Then uh, I, I made the note that um, Grace turns up in Cruella Deville's Nomobile. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, she goes away, and then here comes Miss ha- Hannigan's brother, played by Alan Cummins. Yes. And he's a bit of a side. Oh, I've got a controversial opinion here. Okay, here we go then. I don't think Alan Cummins is very good. <laughs> He's a bi icon, so he's my mate. And I, I've I've realised that bit, but as an actor, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just this period of time because he, he goes to Hollywood. I, f- I think based on his success in Goldeneye, doesn't he? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and he plays all these different roles. So, like, he's also in like Josie and Pussycats, and the quite campy roles. But for some reason, I don't think he pulls them off very well. I think I've I've really wanted for a long time to see him on stage in something, which I've never managed to do because I think he's very much a stage actor that doesn't brilliantly translate to the screen. Yeah, often. I'd agree, I'd agree with that. Um, and as much as I love a bit of Alan Cumming, uh, it was Tim Curry in the original role. So uh, two of my favourite sort of queer icons, and I don't know. We could have had double Curry, couldn't we? We could have. Uh, never mind. Oh well, he's trying to get money off his big sis. Yeah, he he wants ten bucks because he's he's just come out of jail. He's yeah. got no money at all. And that's when Hannigan tells him all about Annie, and so he, they all sing the song Easy Street, 
which is basically about how their brokers shit all of them. Yeah. Uh, but they blame basically all of the factors other than themselves, despite the fact that they're all criminals. Yep. <laughs> and this song as well sounds like a fart in a duck factory. <laughs> it just sort of it goes on forever. It is quite a long number, isn't it? Especially since they just are in the office doing nothing for yeah. the whole time. Like, bear in mind, like, the two signature songs at the beginning, like, what, three minutes each? And yeah. I, I'm sure this goes on for at least six, seven minutes. Well, this is the first song we've had for all, nearly the, all of the film where there's exposition happening actually in the yeah in, yeah in the lyrics yeah and then so they're actually explaining stuff. But then there's a couple of bits where they stop singing and suddenly oh they're into it again. Yeah, back so, on Easy Street because like, the plan <laughs> is that they're going to use Annie to get rich and get steal money from Oliver Warburton. Basically, yeah. Um, and Which then... you just summed up in two seconds. They took seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, this was at the point where I was just like, we've got Alan Cumming. We've got Kristen Chernowitz, who was at this point like an up-and-coming big deal in the musicals scene. Okay. Um, she was in like Wicked and things like that. Right. Um, and you've got Kathy Bates. So like all the money in this film is all in like the, the sort of extra parts, <laughs> which yeah. is weird. Yeah, and the other thing to point out as well. So after this song finally finishes, we're already fifteen minutes in. Yeah, there's like barely half an hour left. Yeah, it and does. It's a very weirdly structured film. Yeah, and they've not really. They've finally got to a plot, but it's just like it took a long time to get there. What we didn't say at the top was like this film's only an hour and twenty six minutes long, so yeah. it really like speeds through, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean. I don't know if it was your favourite film or not, but because you've not said, you've not revealed yet. But even if it wasn't one of your favourite films, it's not outstaying its welcome as such. It's clipping through. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say compared so. Compared to some of the other things we've seen that have yeah. definitely outstayed their welcome. Yeah, I mean, one thing we'll say about musicals, when you're reviewing them, it's really easy because you can put down your pen for three or four minutes at a time. Yes. It's I, really nice. That's what I was meaning, was like the, the structure of the plot is so straightforward. Mm. We haven't got lots of bargains and wheeler dealing shit going on. Yeah, and, and duck shit and gold and all the rest. Yeah, I really found this... Almost a pleasure to watch compared to some of the shit we've had to deal with. I, I would say so as well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then we go back to Warbucks's pad where he announces that he wants to adopt Annie. Um, if you took out the word adoption and swapped it for engagement, you'd get pretty much the same effect. It's yeah, bit, thank you. It's yep. very awkward, this bit, I thought. I think, I can't remember the guy's name now, but again, Jack Bristow. I think he plays his part mainly wrongly. He's very plays it very different to the original Warbucks, who's a lot more gruff and yeah. He's, I think he's too intense for yeah. what he needs to do. Yeah, is almost at a stage of crying, and if you spliced him in with, I know, a woman of her thirties, uh, and you could easily edit in make it look like a love scene instead. Yeah, like oh, I love you, please marry me. He plays it in the same way, and it does come across a bit creepy in places, completely unintentionally. But. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting because the original um, musical, stage musical, it's actually based on a comic strip called Little Orphan Annie. Mm. I don't know if you were aware of it, which nope. is pretty much 
pretty much only has the two characters of, of this millionaire Oliver Warbucks and this orphan. And apparently, I haven't read it, but apparently the author's intent is very creepy in the <sighs> original strips. So God. it's a very strange you know, material to then decide to adapt into a musical. Mm. Um, apparently, like, the author, like, the character of Mr. War, uh, Daddy Warbucks, which, yeah, called Daddy Warbucks in the strip. <laughs> I was going to make that gag, yeah. yeah. Um, he's very much the author insert character in the comic strip. Oh. And it's, like, the original intent of the strip is quite creepy. Uh, but I've obviously never read it, so I can't. I'm I'm only here saying from what I've heard. But I have to look into it. But a good grief, B. I'm not very surprised. No, and obviously the comic strip was from like the 20s and 30s and yeah, back then where ah uh, <laughs> where that was. Ac- yeah, I was going to say that about, that would have been a massive sweeping generalization. But on the other hand, probably <laughs> yeah. So, oh, something we didn't mention earlier on. Annie's parents have this gave her half a locket, and they kept half a locket. So when they finally met up, they could prove they were Annie's parents, and it's a big deal. So, so it's like parent trap. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. And about 17 other films. And in the remake of The Parent Trap, they were both red-headed girls. Yeah, they were, yeah. Like, like Annie. Same year as well. Oh, shit, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mate, that's weird. No, no. Um, so, um, Oliver Warbox has bought Annie a new locket to replace it. Mm. And Annie kicks, actually kind of kicks off at this point. Yeah. Quite ungratefully. Obviously, we find we know why. Yeah, because he's trying to replace for one thing she's got left of her parents. But she and... goes a bit far with it, doesn't she? She's a bit like, No! I wouldn't say so, actually, no. Oh. I, I think she's pretty justified because she's still holding out hope that her parents will return. Fine, all right. She, she's young enough to not think otherwise. You know, why would they abandon her in the first place and all that lot? So, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with her on this one. But she basically says she doesn't want to be adopted because she still believes her parents are there. So Warbucks is like, right, I'll get the entire FBI looking for your parents. <laughs> uh, isn't it great to be rich? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. This was the point where I was like, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the podcast, but I'm partially colourblind. Yeah, uh, I don't think you have now. Have I even mentioned to you? Yes, you, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you knew. I, I, I do know that, but I think you told me the weather spoons. Yeah, well, at this point, I just was like, what colour hair has Annie got? Because the character's originally supposed to have, like, red hair. Yeah. Half of these scenes, I thought she looked like she had brown hair. But I'm it's partly colourblind. It, it's the way it's lit. It's yeah. more of a... It's not ginger, it's strawberry blonde. <laughs> it, it, it's that sort of like more muted sort of red. We'll make it red in post. Don't yeah. worry about it. It does get noticeably more red towards the end. You know, the scene where they dance on the table. Yeah. That, But I think that's just a lighting, a deliberate lighting thing to hack back to the 82 film. Right. Because that was, that was a legitimate question I had. I was like, is it red? I can't even tell. Yes. Um, so yeah, Warbucks is very sad because uh, Annie doesn't want to be adopted. We go back to the orphanage and the girls are listening to the wireless um, where they announce that Annie is looking for her parents and there's a $50,000 reward. Uh-oh. Isn't it great to be rich? Isn't it great to be rich? But also, uh, that's another trope. Alarm going off. Yep. Money. Money mm. that's up for grabs. Yep. 
And, of, of course, Miss Hallingen hears about it. Yeah. This whole scene um, is barely part of the narrative, apart from this one little bit, isn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, buddy, all the kids do a massive dance scene, don't they? Yeah, which has nothing to do... It's basically, isn't the radio cool? Let's sing about the radio. <laughs> ah, the lovely Boylan sisters! So Uh, can I uh, make an admission here? Yeah. I totally skipped the scene. Well, that's fair enough. As yeah. I say, apart from hearing that Annie's up for a reward, it, it doesn't change the plot at all. I, um, as soon as I saw the scene and I knew how it was going to play out and they started singing, I thought, yeah, you're just all extra characters, no relevance to the plot. I think I'll skip ahead by three minutes. Whilst it doesn't aid the plot very much, um, this is actually one of mine and Kirsty's favourite songs in the whole thing. Uh, we often like quote it to each other for a laugh. Okay. But yeah, it's it's all right. But yeah, you can skip it if you don't want. Yep. And then after this song, Annie's parents turn up. The mudges. <sighs> <laughs> a bit of dramatic mask going on. Yeah. Which is that annoying thing in films and TV when someone is not like not even disguised in the slightest, but a character doesn't They're wearing sunglasses and the moustache is a bit longer. How much of a thick fuck do you need to be to not realise who it is? Yeah, Miss Hannigan doesn't realise that it's uh, Rooster and Lily come back, yeah. even though that's her brother. <laughs> like, like, literally, if you're like, you didn't see a relative for like 20 years, you'd instantly know what they look like when you come when they come back, even though you know, they'd look dramatically different. Yeah. So you're telling me that someone doesn't instinctively know it's her own brother? Yeah. It don't don't quite work. I don't it? think so. No. And so the plan is that they're going to use Hannigan's knowledge of Annie um, to basically pretend to be the parents and you know steal Annie, get the money, and then they're going to kill Annie. Yep. So yeah, as you, as you say, like we're very far into the film to yep. finally have our villains' intentions. Well, yes, and uh, to point out here, this is base. This is the. Oh, I'm going to use a wrestling term here. This is the heel turn for the for Mrs. Hannington. Okay. Oh, oh, Hannigan. So, oh, God, no, every time. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is a point where I do think, okay, now I don't feel sympathetic for her. But, yeah, because well, she's going to kill a kid. Well, we took was murder. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and do you know what else? Uh, maybe go, oh, fuck off. The fact that she uh, reprises the song again? Correct. <laughs> Easy Street. <laughs> oh. Very good. Thank you. Very very accurate. accurate, Yeah. (laughs) Then uh, we go back to the Warbucks house where there's a stampede of uh, con artists trying to say that they're Annie's parents, but nobody that they interview mentions the locket at all, so they know that they're not real. Then they hear from the FBI that the locket is untraceable because ninety thousand were sold of this particular locket. Oliver Warbucks sings his his song, which is something was missing. Which is very sad and mopey. I'm a very sad rich man. Yeah. Wah. I've got everything in the world except a child or someone to love. Please, please let me adopt you. And Maybe you stop being concerned about your factories so much and found love instead, you know. Again, this... this you can do both. This whole number could be about a girlfriend as well. Yeah, yeah. Again, agreed. Yeah. Um... And during the song, he asks Annie again, 
will you be adopted? She says no, and he was like, yeah, but please, though. And she goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just blew up my voice doing that bit, by the way. (laughs) Easy street. It was worth it. It was, yeah. It sounded beautiful. Uh, and back of my throat now feels a red raw. Fantastic. I'm probably going to edit it out as well. I'll probably yeah. just put a clip of the real song in. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> um, yeah, then uh, everyone's happy because oh, she said yes. Yeah, and I love this bit. So he's deciding to have a massive celebration. So get out the judge right now to sign the adoption papers. Drag everyone around. Get all the staff together to... Decorate everything. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's Christmas Eve night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're that rich, you can do whatever you like, whenever you like. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so you see all these uh, workers running around with flowers and plastic food that's wobbling on these big platters with no weight to them. Yep. They put up the Christmas tree and it's all done in like 15 seconds flat kind mm. of thing. Um, and then we get another song, Together Forever, where Oliver and Annie sing about how they're now all very happy. Yeah, and uh, this is where they dance on the table, which I seem to remember this from somewhere outside. Take the 82, so I think this bit's pretty iconic. Yeah, it, it's pretty similar to the original version. Yeah. I think it works quite well as a as a scene. Yeah, I do. It's quite cute. Um, uh, I also, at this point, Daddy Warbucks, he uh, finally realises, oh, I quite like that Grace, you know. Yeah, I put the, uh, I'd love to pork her. The exact quote that I'm sure he said in the film was, Grace, you look bitching. Or at least that's what I've written, but I, I'm, I'm sure it was a quote. Yeah. Um, that famous phrase from 1933. We did get a very good uh, 1930s phrase, though, where Nanny says, Leaping lizards, look at this joint. So then, like, within moments, the judge arrives. <laughs> yeah. They just had him on retainer in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it worked normally. Yeah. And then... Uh, Unexpectedly, the wild mudges appear and attack. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a Pokemon. Like a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Hannigan turns up and she's dr- as uh, Mrs. Mudge. And the note that I put was that she was kind of dressed like me, mum in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, her disguise is even worse because she's just got some sunglasses on, and yet nobody realizes who it is. Especially when Annie's like lived with her every day for her entire life, yeah. you think she would have noticed. Um, but yeah, there's they bullshit that they've li- you know, they've been working on a farm which didn't allow any kids to come up. Um, they've got some fake birth certificate which has Annie's correct birth on. Um, and they've got the other half of the locket. So, what's not explained, and I wasn't sure, was like, has Miss Hannigan had this locket the whole time, or has she gone out and found another locket to do, and like ripped it in half? Because um, it is the other half of Annie's locket. It doesn't I, get explained. I, it doesn't know. I think she's had it all along. It's been part of the scam. What a bitch. Because mm. she knew that Annie was holding out her entire, like, finding of her parents on this locket yes, for, for right. 12, 11 years. Yeah, so. yeah. So I think it's one that she did buy as part of the illusion. Oh, what a bitch. I know. Um, and then they pretend that they didn't know about the money and that they're not bothered, but well, it would it would really help Annie out. It would, yeah, good. yeah. About 50, I thought, about 50 grand in 1933, yeah, it'll do. I thought that was quite an effective little bit to add to the con. Uh but then they ask if they can pick her up to... Uh, Mr. Warbucks asks if they can pick her up tomorrow so she can have Christmas morning uh, with them, which they agree to. Annie's very pissed off. And we get... She goes and 
has a little beal in her bedroom. Yep. And Grace comes up and sings a reprise of Tomorrow. Yeah. And this lady's got pipes on her. Yeah, I think she's the best singer of the whole film. But then they hardly ever get her to sing. It's literally just this one number. Yeah. Mm. And it's Christmas morning. The FBI and the president all turn up. Why is the FBI there? I don't know. But Oliver mentions that um, they've all been up all night helping try and find Annie's parents. On Christmas Eve, apparently the president of the United States of America gives a shit. I wonder what his approval ratings were at this time. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up. But, you know. <laughs> but they couldn't find anything suspicious about the mudges. Um, they say that they couldn't find anything suspicious. And I was like, well, surely the fact that there's, they don't they exist. Do- yes, thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> that would be quite suspicious. It would be. But I don't think they were looking in those terms. I think we were just trying to find the real parents instead of investigating these yeah. shady looking ones. But then Mudgela, they've arrived again. Quite quickly, they want to drag her away as soon as possible, probably because they know the jig is up. Yeah. And it must be mentioned while this is happening, uh, Lily, the uh, other woman we've hardly mentioned, if at all, who was with who, who was with um, Alan Cummings uh, to Rooster. begin with, yeah, yeah. before she was uh, swapped out for Mrs. Hanningen. Is, um, Hanningen. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hanningen. Hannigan, 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 Hannigan. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> so she's looking after the rest of the kids at the orphanage, and you know they immediately overpower her, and <laughs> uh, she spills for beans. Yep. Exact quote uh, about the scam that's going on. Yep. So Warbucks, we cut back to Warbucks's house. He's chick- handing over the check. And Lily storms in because she's realised that they're going to clearly leave without her and cut her out of the bargain. Yep. So she brings all the kids who all shout, We love you, Miss Hannigan. Mm. So the jig is up. And just as they're about to escape with Annie, President Roosevelt wheels into the room. <sighs> this is just weird. It is a bit. Yeah. So they get arrested by President Roosevelt in a wheelchair. It's like, okay, right, fine. So- so the thing is, in the original '80s version, Roosevelt has a very much expanded character. Mm. So it's less weird that he just turns up right at the end because they have a whole scene with him. I can't really remember what happens, but mm. yeah, because it's um, the late great. It's just weird. Yeah. So you've got this story, and then you write in a president that very much existed. In yes, <laughs> real world. It'll be it'll be like I know having an action film, and suddenly Bill Clinton is part of the uh, <laughs> climax. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> Very nice. Thank Very you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Miss Hannigan's like, oh, they made me do it. Tell these people how nice I am. Where Annie finally gets to use the uh, back at her, saying like, "Well, I would, but I, you've told me never tell a lie," mm. which is very Burn! <laughs> nice little callback. Then Hannigan re-sings a little reprise of Little Girls and then gets wheeled out on a trolley. <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, there's just two people stood up aside with uh, the strap jacket just in case. Just to, oh, yeah. yeah, they've gone nuts. Yeah, I was well, saying that. The song kind of references that the kids are going to drive her insane, but then, weirdly, there were 
psychiatric yeah. nurses on hand to wheel her out. Yeah, I think they're there to cut away some of the uh, servants, you know, when they finally lose it. Just thinking, I'm decorating on Christmas Eve when I've got ten kids at home. Ship off with all of the unwanted Christmas gifts. Yeah. <laughs> the whole van's worth of uh, discarded presents. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it turns out that Annie's parents, the Bennets, are dead as fuck. Yeah. Um, but at least they didn't abandon her, is the way she decided to look at it. President Roosevelt, to get a proper, proper, proper happy ending, decides for no reason that he's going to get all of these kids adopted. Yes. Which is, so everyone's in a good mood. And uh, Warbucks decides, yeah, maybe I should try and give Grace a good porking. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, Grace, you're my wife now. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. And bear in mind, everything we've described from the We Love You, Miss Hannigan, uh, happens with about three and a half minutes left in the film. Yeah. This is very, very much towards the end. I, f- I feel like we should have maybe paced this bit a bit better. Yeah. And maybe cut about... 18 minutes off the Easy Street song. Uh, maybe not bothered with the reprise. Yeah, or at all. <laughs> There's a lot of reprises, in fact, because now we get a reprise of Together Forever. Um, Daddy Warbucks gives um, his little child a new locket, mm-hmm. um, and he also gives a ring to Grace. So we've got a very believable uh, interracial family in 1933. Hooray! Progression! <laughs> And yeah, nothing could go wrong there. And then the film just ends. Yeah. With literally no fanfare, no finale. They just pan the shot upwards and we're done. Yep. Very anticlimactic. Well, they've got a strict time slot, haven't they, to get this all in. Are we going to talk about that now? Yes, we're going we to talk are. about the elephant in the room. Yeah, go on, man. So, Lots of elephants in the room today. Spice could even fit in here. Yeah. Well,. Turns out I kind of boobed by picking this film because it wasn't technically a theatrical release. Nope. But also it wasn't a decom. No. According to Christopher. Let's have Chris's story time. Is this uh, how I differentiate between this and decom? On a technicality, isn't it? Uh, Yes. So it's because I'm not Kirsty. <laughs> so it doesn't class as a decom. That's that's how it counts. Yes, right, fair enough. Yes, um, I, it was also uh, because this was an original film as part of a series called The Wonderful World of Disney, which was exclusive or premiere screenings of like all their big theatrical releases. So they've been like running this series for a long time. Yeah. They stopped doing it, but uh, according to Wikipedia, they've actually brought it back this year. Really? Yeah, but this is the slot on uh, Disney and I think slash ABC, where they used to like, premiere like your Toy Stories, your Pocahontas, and all right. that. Lot. So this was in that slot, and therefore you can treat it as a theatrical release of sorts, just being shown on TV the first time. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, it, it feels like a TV movie the whole time, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's, very, it's very plainly shot, shall we say. Yeah. There's not much fancy cinematography going on. No. And the other thing that can help as well is that all your, like, the swap and all that lot, will, like, get, what, about one, uh, one million people watching on Disney when we air it on yeah. a Sunday night. Uh, this was viewed by 26.3 million on its premiere. Fuck me. Mm. That's good, especially for a cable channel. Y- yes. That's that's impressive. It, it was massive at the time. 
I imagine as well it was. they'll have probably done like multiple regions as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, at the of same, course. same time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And well, as we relayed at the beginning of the show, they showed this all the time on Disney Channel as well, you know. So I, I, for them, it was big. This can't class as a decom anyway because the O in decom stands for original, original movie. This ain't an original movie. Ah, there we go. So yeah, definitely not a decom this one. So I'm, yeah. but it was yeah. Does this mean I can find a review drink on here? We can look into it. Yes. I'll <laughs> have to see if it's on the Disney Life app. Fucking Disney Life. Don't worry. Only two months until we get Disney Plus. We can finally watch for Mandolin. It's four months till we get Disney Plus. It doesn't drop till the end of March, and we're in November now. No, we're not. We're in January. Kayfabe, kayfabe, kayfabe. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Two months to yes. go till Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, we've had shitloads of Mandalorian spoilers already. I've not, because I don't pay attention to it. So if you don't pay attention, you tend not to get spoiled. It's really weird. That's Fair enough. social media algorithms so yeah. Yeah, okay then. Wired our brains. So, Christoph. Yes? What are your thoughts that are final um, with regards to the 1999 remake of Annie? I'll be honest, I thought this would be a massively painful experience going by what I said earlier on and having to listen to these songs live, as it were, uh, only a couple of years ago. But quite honestly, I thought it was decent to the, cool. point, to the point of enjoyable. Mm. I still wouldn't put it in the category of musicals I like because, let's face it, at the end of the day, I'm a grown-ass 32-year-old man. <laughs> I really, it, it would be a bit weird if Annie was my jam, Fair. You, know, you know, with with my sort of masculine taste, shall we say? You know, he, says a guy who likes Spice World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After you've been waxing lyrical about that one, <laughs> it's because I really fancy Mel C. I was a Mel C fancier as well yes. back in the day. Yes. Yeah, it's because in my mind I'm 11 years old trying to figure out which of the Spice Girls I fancy. <laughs> That's my reason. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like Daddy Warbucks who fancies Annie. Anyway, isn't Mel C the car- the Spice Girl that if you fancied back in the day, you turned out to be gay? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on. So, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't a painful experience, and I think it helps because I saw it so much back in the day. It was just like, oh yeah, you know, I, I did. I did like it, to be fair. I'm still think enjoy is probably too strong a word. I don't think I'll go back and ever watch this again now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Tim? What did you think? Um, I can't believe I'm saying this after trying purposely to stitch you up with this film, but I think I'm almost in exactly the same boat with this. Like, as I said earlier, this this is the film of all the films we've watched so far that I would watch on repeat. I had it taped off the Disney Channel on VHS as a kid. Honestly, to I feel like I was going to, I was expecting to come at it from the other direction than you have. So I was expecting to enjoy it more than I did, mm. just because I had such a fond memory of it, um, and having had all of these silly com- uh, like pissing contests with Kirsty about which is the best version of Annie. Having watched it again, I think probably the original's better. Okay. Um, so I'm going to have to go... I'm actually going to have to go back and watch the other one um, to find out. There's a, a lot of differences between the two. Um, 
they very much Disneyfy the ending, which is why it feels so rushed. Because in the eighties version, they like chase Annie up a um, bridge to try and murder her. Yes, which is completely cut out from this version. I do remember that. There is basically no peril in this whatsoever. No, it's very um... Annie's never in danger once. No, so. I feel like I definitely have to go back and check the other one, see if it's better. And as I say, talking to Sophie, who said, you know, the choreography and stuff is balls in this compared to the other one. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy it. It's very, very easy watching. It doesn't feel like a film I'm I'm going to go back and watch either. No. But I will seek out the original, see how that holds up. It's It's kind of a musical... Even even the eighties one is kind of a musical for kids, I think. Like, because yeah. and that is a genre of its own kind of thing. Mm. Like, um, I always think Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's kind of with Gene Wilder. That's not. I feel like the song quality and everything in that is very centered Gen- on children. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, uh, for me, Annie is a film for kids who want to get into acting and singing. Yeah, and it, yeah. I know loads of people that did because of films like this. Yeah, so. Like you. Yeah, well, like me, yeah. So, in terms of gems, it's a difficult one, mm. really. Because I don't... I did think quite highly of it, but I don't think it deserves to be that high. So... This is my issue as well. I've enjoyed it way more than quite a lot of it, but I appreciate it's not a particularly good film. Yeah. Um. Maybe like six and a half. Oh, are you splitting it again? Yeah. Well, it's not a six and it's not a seven. Yeah, you know, uh, honestly, those are the two numbers I'm split between as well. Uh, shall I give mine now? Go on then. I think I'm going to have to go with a seven. Okay. Because, controversially, I did enjoy this and will remember it more than Muppets Treasure Island, which I gave a six, therefore I think I've got to go a step above here. Like, Fair it, enough. It's not... It's not a seven in that I wouldn't go on like Letterboxd or IMDb and give this seven out of ten, or you know, if if I was rating this compared to every other film ever, not yeah. just not just Disney, this it'd be down to the twos or maybe a three at most. But I, I think in the context of what we've been watching over the last year or so, I think this is not up there, but it's certainly a good one. Yeah. Well. Putting it in the scoreboard, obviously we've just given it 13.5 out of 20. So that puts it better than Something Wicked This Way Comes, but only just. Mm. And it also puts it worse than Now You See Him, Now You Don't. You see, uh, I was just looking at the rankings from here. I think that's actually very accurate and very fair. Yeah, because again, Now You See Him, Now You Don't. Very similarly, it's not a good film, but I did quite enjoy watching it, so... No, I, mean, I think we both gave it a seven at the time. We rather enjoyed it, if I remember yeah. rightly. It's kind of... This film was not well made, but fine Yeah, to watch. Yeah, good. It, it, it was basically... I always use the analogy. It was a Hallmark TV film in terms of production and acting quality and, and all the rest, but it was fine. You know, I've talked before about enjoying the fact that I'm actually using up some notebooks now. Oh, yes. Uh, and I've actually had need to buy new notebooks. So I bought myself a new notebook, Chris, yesterday Ooh, when, fancy. I, when I was in York. But it's very plain. It's just got a brown cover. Okay. So I'm going to set you a bit of homework for next week. Which is? Design my notebook for me. Oh, okay. 
Oh, God, I've got to draw so many knobs on here. I thought you might. Yeah. Oh, Paper Chase. Okay. Uh, I was wondering where you got it from. I thought, oh, has he found a unique bookstore? I've not thought of Oh, no, Paper Chase. Okay. It was very annoying in that the, um, the, this one was four quid, but to have it unlined was three quid. So I paid a whole quid just for some lines. Fair enough. I'm not one to talk. Uh, I buy 15, 20 quid notebooks, don't I? Yes, I know. Yes. I was very annoyed, actually, going in Paper Chase. Um, how gendered... Uh, stationery has become in that shop. I don't go in there because when look at it from the outside, it's very much catered towards girls, which A, they shouldn't be gendering it anyway because it's stationery for God's sake, and B, it just puts me off because men like stationery too. I used to like Paper Chase because they used to have a lot of quite cute designs that weren't, that were kind of gender neutral, but when I went in this town, nearly everything was very much. For the ladies. Yes. So I think they're getting worse with the gendering yeah. on that in there. Anyway, so next episode actually got a guest lined up. Because it's not your pick, if you were about to start picking. No, I, I uh, already guessed that what was coming up next, so I didn't bother. All right, okay. We, although now it means I can basically unsubscribe to uh, from Disney Life. Yes. Immediately, <laughs> so I don't get charged four ninety nine this time next Wednesday. Yeah. So next time uh, we've got a special guest on from another We Made This uh, member. We made this. We did make this. Um, so we've got Chris Statue from the One Season Show coming on to talk about one of their favourite films, Meet the Deedles. Have you seen this film yet? Meet the what now? Meet the Deedles. Well, I've seen Meet the Fuckers it... and no. No, I've not seen it either. I have literally no idea where this is going. The the image on Disney Life, it is on Disney Life, by the way. Oh, good, at least can, yeah. So you might as well watch that before you cancel it. Fair enough, yeah. It's just two guys stood there, and it looks like they've got, like, waves, like, surfing waves for hair. Oh, okay. But I've literally no idea where it's going to no. go, this film, so I'm quite excited. Well, at least it's not Meet the Diddlers, because then we'll be back to uh, Daddy Warbucks territory. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's what's coming up next. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me mainly at home, um, sometimes at work, a lot of the time at work. Now, you can find me on Twitter at KidSwoll. I've finally decided, by the way, just to keep it. All right, yeah. It's Twitter, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. No one's going to care if I try and brand myself professionally. So, yeah, (laughs) at KidSwoll, S-W-O-L. And the official Twitter for this podcast is at podwam and my twitter is at timblesrh we're also on instagram which is at without a mouse and we are also on facebook so you can just uh, search for without a mouse podcast and we come up pretty much all the time you try it yeah but don't use facebook facebook is trash and considering we've it's ne- evil yeah since we've never ever ever asked if you want to give us a review on itunes that would be great yeah, we should probably start asking for that a bit more. We'll get up for rankings that way. I'll never know if you have or not, because I don't have an iTunes account, so <laughs> I can't look. Uh, no, no idea. Anyway, but yeah, if you like this, give us a thumbs up and shit. Four, well, five stars. Five stars. Anything else, don't bother. Five gems. Yes. <laughs> Out of a million. Well, accurate. Right, we done? Probably. Let's stop talking. Yeah. The sun will come out tomorrow. Sun will come your ass. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> Together at last.
Together forever. We're tying a knot they never can sever. I don't need sunshine now to turn my skies to blue. I don't need anything but you. You've wrapped me around that cute little finger. You've made life a song. You've made me the singer. And what's the title of a dream that's just come true? I don't 